Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello, and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Diane Yellen. As a child, Diane liked feeling needed, like when her alcoholic dad borrowed the nickels and dimes she had hidden under the living room rug. During her 28-year marriage, her cycle of codependency came full circle as she enabled her husband's alcohol cravings. In a search for answers to her compulsive caregiving, Diane attended addiction counseling classes. At the age of 48, she signed up for her first college class, and after eight years of night school, graduated cum laude with a bachelor's degree in business administration. Born in Shenandoah, Pennsylvania, Diane is the mother of four children and three grandchildren and four bonus grandchildren. She is also the author of two books on codependency and a children's book. She is now retired and lives in Boca Raton, Florida. Welcome, Diane. How are you today? Well, thank you very much. I'm very good. I'm healthy. I'm happy. And I'm thrilled to be here, Carrie. Thank you. I'm happy to have you. And we're happy to hear your story. So your story is quite a journey. I read your book, My Resurrected Heart. But I will let you tell my audience the story of codependency how and how you survived and thrived as you began the healing process. And feel free to start wherever you want. This is your story. All right, I will. Uh, I was raised in the coal regions of Pennsylvania, and it was a time when husbands, after they worked in the mines, would go into the tap room or the bar room and drink. So that was the culture. I My mom divorced when I was just five, and she had two other small children. So we were raised with by my grandfather and lived in this great big home with him and my cousins and aunts and uncles. However, I saw this lifestyle as the drink was part of the culture. It was part of this, the daily functions. So when I started dating, we dated, I dated somebody who was a drinker because that was so acceptable back then. And in that time frame and in that place of, of uh, where I was born, but um, after I got married and my husband's drinking continued, and I drank along with him, I really did. I enjoyed drinking, but I knew when to stop. And so after 28 years, our marriage started to disintegrate because I knew this wasn't healthy. And um, I was codependent. I enabled him. I was a designated driver before it was even a popular term. Wow. And uh, But that's what I did. And I didn't want to sit in the bar room with him, but I couldn't let him go out on his own because who would drive him home? Who would get him home safely? 
So I was disillusioned, man. The drinking wasn't fun. The parting wasn't fun. We were older. We, we had four children. We were, should have been more mature. We were not. And uh, after a while, I said, as, a, as I became a little bit smarter, saying, this isn't how life is supposed to be. This isn't how I should be as a mother and a wife. And uh, that caused a friction in our marriage. And we separated And uh, after 28 years of marriage. And I was devastated because I was, I was the enabler. I was the one that held everything together. I was the control person. I was the control freak that knew that if I say do this, we're going to do this. If, we, this. if it's Tuesday, we're going to do this. If we're having this for supper, we're having this for supper. So I was in control. And, and you see, in an addictive family relationship, the person who has the addiction likes that because you free them up. To, to follow their 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 addiction. And so the more control I took on myself, that meant the less that my husband, Bob, who was a sweetheart when he wasn't drinking, he was a fabulous person. And um, it gave him more free time. Mm -hmm. And then I took up more and more responsibility. And then finally it came crushing down. It was a house built on cards. It was a house built on beer cans. And they just tumbled down and made all this noise and created a, a real crisis in the family. Um, I had two grown children that we had two grown children that were already out of the house and we had two children still in high school. And uh, I ended up in therapy. I was very, I was very distraught and depressed. And um, after my fourth session with the therapist, she said, I will continue to work with you, Diane but you have to get to an Al-Anon meeting. And I said, why do I have to go to a meeting? I don't have a problem. He does. Little did I realize what a serious problem I had. Right. And mm -hmm. from there, I just came to understand what codependency is, what enabling was. I'm thinking, but this is normal. This is what I saw modeled for me growing up. Right, right. And and so so and from there I started my recovery. Wow, that's quite a story. So you were already married twenty five years. That's a long time to live with that, and and then that became your pers persona. So even once you were separated, you I'm sure you just still felt like that person, but now you're lost because there's nobody there to control. Now what do I do, right? Well, he was my identity. Yes, right. Yeah, I, I, I just modeled my life around him because that's what I saw in my life. Well, and, women, and women was... always did that back then because we were always called Mrs. and our husband's name and our... That, so I think, and and I'm a generation behind you, so it wasn't as bad for me, but for your generation, it was really, everything was built around the husband. So it, that was your identity. So when your husband left, you're like, now what do I do? I don't even know who I am, right? That, exactly right. Exactly right. right. And uh, fortunately, I was working with a, um, uh, a pharmaceutical company, Merck Sharp and Dome up here at Merck and Company in uh, West Point, Pennsylvania, and I got a job there in the mailroom and uh, then progressed to the a telephone operator, and they offered 100% payback on college tuition. Ah. Now, why would I not take advantage of that? And, exactly. and my therapist, 
I know. And my therapist said to me, what did you always want to do, Diane? But you couldn't because you were too busy raising not four children, but five. I only had the four. I've said that my whole life. I have five children, too. I've said it my whole life. I, even if you have a husband who's not drinking, many of them are immature. So most of us are raising children and a husband. It's true. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so when my therapist said, what did you always want to do? And I, when you were ra- busy raising children and keeping family, I said, I always wanted to go to college. And she just bluntly said, then why don't you? And I said, why don't I? I went to college. And then at the, on Saturdays, I was taking courses for an addiction counseling uh, certification. And I learned so much. And I, what I really learned was to value myself. Yes. I had worth. And, and that was the education was enlightening, but the knowledge to know that I had worth just took me as far as I could go as to where I am today. And as I said early on, I have a beautiful life. I'm well, I'm happy. And um, but it doesn't come easy. It takes work. It does. Because not only is even women who weren't married to addicts, I think from your age group struggled with, you know, when their husbands died, their kids were out of the house. Now, what am I going to do? I don't know who I am. I don't know what value I have because our value was housewife and a mother and a wife. That was it. That was our value. But we have so much more than that. And I'm so glad you were able to find it. I did. And I, but it was, it took hard work because not only is addiction a family disease, mm-hmm. but so codependency is also because I was instilling this in my children too, my yes. behaviors. And it's a progressive disease. Alcoholism is a progressive disease, as is codependency, because I, the more control I thought I had, mm-hmm. and control is just, uh, is just a, a, a a myth, because right. it's, it's it's not. It's a, it's a chase after the wind, uh, especially in an addiction relationship. So, the more control I thought I had, the less I had, mm. and it just it just progresses until it all comes falling down, and and that's what happened, as I said. But um, getting help, getting therapeutic help, Al-Anon meetings were absolutely saved my life. And mm. then getting into taking classes on addiction counseling and understanding the nature of the disease, because right. it is a disease. Nobody wants to be an alcohol use, Mm-mm. have the alcohol use disorder or alcohol abuser. And certainly nobody wants to try to control everybody else's life. It doesn't work. We can right. only control one person and we could only change one person ourselves. I can't mm-hmm. change the addict. I have trouble changing me. And that's what I'm working on. Good for you. Good for you. Um, And then you became a writer. You started writing books and started writing about what you went through so that you could help other people. So did you feel like you could write a book or did you feel in the beginning like, I can't write a book? I'm not a writer because you're a very good writer. I read your book and it's very good. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Well, I also um, want to thank my therapist because she suggested that I journal. And I'm going to tell you, folks, early on, I had from the dollar store all these spiral binders, the big eight by 11s. I had boxes of those because oh. I would write everything down. 
And then I, when I left Pennsylvania and I moved to my, incidentally, my ex-husband passed away at the age of 57. And we were cordial and friendly then, very sad occasion for all of us. And my children are suffering and they were adults at this time. And after Bob passed away and I moved to Florida, I had all these boxes of books and I had more time to write because I was finished college. And so I started with taking from my journal and my first book is My Resurrected Heart. And it's a devotional memoir of my early days in Shenandoah and living in this atmosphere where there was a bar room on every, we used to tease in our town that there's a bar room on every corner and there's a church on every other corner. <laughs> so it, it was the culture. And so uh, from there, <laughs> I took, I took my, my, my book and I showed how I became aware of, of my disorder. I had a disorder too. And so I start working on me. And so that was my resurrected heart. I started with that one. And then I wrote a second book and it's called Heaven Heals, a codependence uh, heart. And it's a journey to wholeness. And then it was wonderful stories in that, in this book about incidents in my life that was a God thing, that this just didn't just happen. This was designed to improve who I am and to share my knowledge about codependency with others. And just to be kind and caring and say, you can do this. If I can do this, you have worth, you have value. So latch on to that and run with it. That's then, great. Yeah, so I did that. And then in Florida, uh, a neighbor asked me if I would take care of her dog while they went away on a weekend. And I went, okay, but in your house, not mine, because I had no pets. So I ended up taking care of these two little dog, cute dogs. And the word got around that I was pet sitting. So I did some pet sitting. I have some wonderful fur furry friends. And so then I thought, I'm learning so much from these animals. They're so joyful and cheerful. And, and there's a lesson here. I'm learning. So I started writing a book on um, uh, about a junior pet sitter. Her name is Bridget Marie, and she wants to help her grandmother pet sit. <laughs> so it's written for uh, 8 to 12-year-olds. And my first one is about Jack's uh, a border collie rescue. And this story takes place here in, uh, in uh, Doylestown in Bucks County at uh, Peace Valley Park at Lake Delina. So that's that story. And uh, what better occupation for a retired person codependent than a pet sitter? Because I figured when I say sit, the dog's going to sit. When I say stay, the dog's going to stay. And when I say heal, there's that codependency. There's that control issue in there. But it, <laughs> it was fun. And it was I would tease about that because I used to say, I couldn't tell my husband, okay, you're done drinking, we're going home. But I could say to a dog, sit, sit. And in my gentle voice, they listen. Have, yeah. <laughs> I know. And we we bond. I, every one of these pets are my best, best buds. So uh, I'm doing that. And now I'm um, near the end of uh, my writing career, finished. I'm writing a book now about I'm, the, the working title is. Confessions of a Codependent Pet Sitter. And in this book, oh I'm, I'm going to... Oh, my gosh. What a name. Yeah, Confessions of a Codependent Pet Sitter. 
And in it, I, I tell the story of how this dog or this pussy cat or this cute little puppy have and I bond and, and a story from some of their cuteness, because every one of them have a cuteness about them. And then I take and say, what did I learn from this little guy just now? Or what did this little gal just show me in this incident or her behavior or her sweetness? And then I show how I evolved and I'm growing, learning from them. And and it's 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 magical how we we connect when I'm with these cute little fur babies. It is magical. And you know, I was not allowed to have pets growing up because I was one of the 11 kids. There was, you know, barely enough food to feed the kids, let alone pets. So we weren't allowed any pets. And then I didn't allow my kids to have any pets because, you know, I was working full time and trying to take care of the house and I didn't have time to take care of pets. And I knew that my kids weren't going to take care of them. It would be my job. So I said, no pets. But now that we're at home and my husband's retired, we have two cats. So we finally have pets. And I am learning a lot about these fur babies. And they don't necessarily sit on my lap and cuddle with me, but they are there. And and I'm learning a lot from them, too. So we have two cats that will be taken to Florida when we make our move, hopefully by the end of the year. Uh, We'll wait and see. But, you know, whatever God has planned for me, but hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be able to move to Florida. So. Well, we'd love love to have you join us down there. It's paradise. I know. I know. I can't wait. There's so much much going on. And when when I look online, there's so many activities to do near Orlando that, you know, I know there's going to be a lot for me to do. And I'm moving to the villages and there's tons to do in the villages. But even in Florida in general, there's always so much going on. And a lot of it in Orlando because they bring groups in so that they can go to Disney World, but they Mm -hmm. do their thing as well. So there's going to be so much for me to do. So I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) Well, it is. It is. It's a lovely place to be, uh, except when we get the hurricane warnings. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But you're you're prepared. Be prepared and, and you'll weather the storm. Life is weathering the storm. That's it. Life is weathering the storm. And, you know, I went to a group meeting yesterday, Sunday, um, a group that I be a spiritual group I belonged to for 40 years, long time. But we were going around in a circle and telling things that had happened that were like strange and seemed to be spiritual messages. And this one woman in our group, she's also in her mid to late 80s, but she walks all the time. She's in a walking group. And people come up to her and talk to her when she's walking around by herself. They just feel like she's someone they can trust. So they come up to her and she always has wonderful stories for us. One of them was she was walking in Philadelphia with this group and it was time to go home. So everyone went back to their cars. They all left. She got back to her car and She's like, oh, no, where are my keys? She looked in and they were sitting on the seat, but the car was locked. So she's like, oh, no, what do I do? What do I do? So she said, God, you've got to help me. I don't know what to do. Please send help. So he said to her in her mind, that man crossing the street, go to him and ask for help. He can help you. So she goes, no, 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 I can't ask someone like that for help. Even though she's a spiritual person, she's fighting. Go, no, 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 no. (laughs) Yes, you've got to ask him for help. No, 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 no. And then the message came. You're going to miss your chance. If you don't ask, you're not going to get help. Ask for help. So she walked up to him and she said, can you help me? 
He never spoke a word. He just followed her to her car. He opened the car. It opened. And then poof, he was gone. So she said it was an angel. God sent this angel. He opened the car door and I turned around to thank him and poof, he was gone. Never said a word the whole time. Just walked over to my car and opened it. I really believe things like that happen. I believe there's angels all around us. And if we will ask for help, we will get it. We just need to ask and we don't ask, right? We don't ask. Exactly. Yeah, we don't trust ourselves, but it's not always about us. We have right. this higher power. Yes. We have, and 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 I'm I'm also involved with another twelve step group, and it's a, a, a faith based life recovery groups.com. So it's a life recovery group, and in there we could call our higher power Jesus and the God of the Bible. So uh, those stories are real, and I'm going to tell you when I shared with how I was so in control and nothing and look how my life fell apart anyway. Right. And then I read a wonderful book in my recovery and it was a spiritual based book. And in one of the quotes in there was from scripture and it said, now you'll see what I can do. And I went, Oh my gosh, that was speaking to me. Now you'll see. Okay, Diane, he let me run on my own and I was spinning my wheels and nothing happened. It didn't work. So now my marriage dissolved. And then all of a sudden I hear this, now you'll see what I can do if you let go and let God. Yep. And um, I was responsible by letting go and letting God. I got to my meetings, I get to life recovery. So there is that element. There's a spiritual part of us. And in some of my studies, I learned that we are physical, we are emotional, we are mental, we're intellectual, and we're spiritual. And the most underdeveloped, of all these attributes that we have, the most underdeveloped of the physical, the emotional, the intelligence, and the spiritual is the spiritual. We do not work on that as much as it would open, like you said, new minds of thinking. And yes, there is a God and he there does There is a God, care. absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So I'm working on developing my spirituality every day. And um, with 12 step groups, yep. uh, just being kind, like you said, just trusting your inner, your inner voice, your inner spirit. Right. And, and God makes it what right. He will make it right. And he did for me. And um, so, yeah. And, and then I have, I have a blog, I have a website and I, I founded, I'm the founder of January designated as the national codependency awareness month. Oh, and I yeah, so it's a, it's there's a lot of material on that, and I blog every day or every other day during January during that month, National Codependency Awareness Month, mm-hmm. because I wasn't even aware I was ignorant that my behavior wasn't helping a, an, an addict. Right. It was right. it was making it worse, and it made me uh, less healthy. Yes. So. And, and the education still has to be out there because even though we think there's a lot of education about alcoholism and codependent, that there's still so many people that are totally unaware, have no idea. So we have to keep fighting to get it out there. Well, there's that stigma. There's the yeah. stigma. Like, yeah. you know, my first Al-Anon meeting, I went 18 miles away. I lived in, we lived up in Quakertown at the time. I went into Allentown to a meeting because I didn't want anybody in the neighborhood to know there was a right. drinking problem in my family. Right. And so, and and then after that one, and then the other one, 
Then I went to a local one, and don't I see a neighbor? See? And didn't I see two girls that I know from work? And I would have never guessed that, no. that there were issues in those families. Right. You don't know because it's a secret. It's a family secret. It's a family secret. They don't want yeah. people to know. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we got to get rid of that stigma because it really is like I can drink and I'm never going to get that drunk and I don't have to keep drinking. Now, I have five sisters and five brothers. Uh, a couple of the brothers have problems with addiction, some drugs and alcohol, some just drugs. Mm -hmm. But, you know, most of them have level down have been okay. But um, I have one sister who would drink until she fell off the bar stool. So she just stopped drinking. She did. She couldn't stop herself. Whereas the rest of us could, you know, now I, yes. I hardly ever drink. I like a little bit of wine once in a while, but usually it's only when I'm out with friends. I used yes. to drink like a glass a night, you know, maybe three nights a week. But as I get older, it's too much sugar. I don't want the sugar anymore. It upsets my stomach. So I generally only have a little bit when I'm out with uh, friends or family, special occasions, but that's it. But, um, but yeah, some people yeah, just can't stop. You yes. think they can't, they can't. It's not like, cause we say to them, why can't you stop? They can't. It is an addiction. It is a, it is a disease. They can't, they have to just cold Turkey stop. And they can't, it's funny because my husband had a drinking problem for 15 years too, but we did an intervention. He went in and got help and he stopped, but we would go back to visit his family in Germany and they would say, oh, just have a little drink. Just, you can, what don't they understand? You can't, a little yes. bit and he's right back where he was. You exactly. can't have any, but they weren't understanding either. And in Germany, there's tons of alcoholics, but they put up with it. They just- yeah. Again, it's a cultural thing and they just think that's life. But when it ruins your life, it's not life anymore. So I would laugh and I go, no, he drinks nothing, nothing. He doesn't want anything, but that's how there people we go. think. Yeah. And you know, uh, years ago too, when I was in my recovery in my early stages of my recovery back in, in like 89 and 90, 1990, um, John Bradshaw was on the PBS stations a lot. And he was a, an addiction uh, counselor. And he used to show a wind chime. And when we say it's a family disease, and he would show a wind chime. And when the wind would blow, not just one thing on that chimed moved, they all moved. Yes. And and if do we have time, Terry, to, for me to read a quick story from one of my books? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll do this and, and I won't hold it off anymore. But it was... Um, he, so John Bradshaw has this wind chime and you have this image of it all shine, uh, thing in a way. And for a codependent, and in my book, I I related to the, the game pickup sticks. Do you remember the game pickup yes, sticks with the plastic right. sticks? And there's all these colored plastic sticks and you spill it out on the floor and there's one helper stick that's usually black. Yes. And then the helper sticks. So I'll read this. This is from my, my book, My Resurrected Heart. And it's chapter day 29, and it's a 40-day journal. And it said, in the game of pickup sticks, the goal is to pick up the scattered plastic sticks without touching the surrounding pieces. Initially, the task is very easy. You concentrate on the sticks that are spread out away from the pack, and then you continue working inward. But the real test comes when you try to pick up the sticks nestled so close together 
that it's impossible to pick up one stick without disturbing the other. And that's how it is with addiction. Mm. At first, I was able to pick up the easier, less intrusive incidents that Bob's drinking caused. I drove him home when he had too much to drink. When he fell asleep on the sofa with the lit cigarette between his fingers, I was dexterous enough to pick up that cancer stick out of his hand without ever waking him up. I would not allow our family secrets to extend outside the walls of our home. I was determined to control the uncontrollable. And then uh, uh, my husband, I'll read on that. My husband's alcohol escalated and he challenged my capabilities. And just like in the game, my real life contact came down to picking up the sticks that clustered and zigzagged on top of each other. There was no way to pick or pull or lift one of the, any of the erratic incidents in our life without shifting the entire pile, our whole family. Mm. So that just gives you an idea. And then it goes on and gives you a- So true. But that's what addiction is. The, the, The addict is the wind chime and the codependent is the one that's doing everything he or she can because there are growing incidents of female uh, women now with addictions that are are growing and uh, there are more men too at our our, uh, support groups. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, if you're married to um, an addict, I I had a friend at church and she divorced the husband who drank got remarried and was right back in the same situation. Yeah. So until you change your mindset and understand what's happening, you're going to be attracted to the same person because that's who you are. So you have to get well. Don't get remarried until you get well yourself. You heal and then you'll understand. Then you'll find the right person. But you, otherwise, I mean, so this happens over and over. They go from one addict to the other to the other. It's terrible, but... And it doesn't matter what kind of addiction, you're probably going to do the same thing no matter what the addiction is. So, because you're you're, you're drawn to that personality yes. because you think you could fix it. So everything you said was so spot on. Right. Yes, it was. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, well, I hope my audience that if they and everyone has addiction in their family somewhere, mm-hmm. it, you know, if it's not their immediate family, it's the extended family because it's out there and it's everywhere. So I hope people that are affected and want to learn more buy your books so that they can see what your journey was like. They might see a little bit of themselves in there and they'll be able to learn how to heal because it takes a healing process and it takes years. It doesn't go fast. It takes a long time, but the sooner you start, the sooner you'll get there and you'll be happier. Right. And, and right. And a 12 step program for people like myself, it is ongoing. Like I've been yes. going to Al-Anon and life recovery groups uh, for 30 years. And there are, I, uh, just as an alcoholic or a drug addict could relapse, mm-hmm. a codependent relapse in their mind first. See that? Like I'll say, I could fix this. I could do this. Oh, let me do that. So, right. So I'm still working. My children are 60 years old and 50 years old, and I'm still trying to fix them. They'll say, Mom, I can do this. <laughs> so recovery never stops. Learning never stops. And yes. appreciating yourself has to be long, long life. 
Absolutely. You have to learn to love yourself and just keep appreciating what you're doing, what you've done, share with other people. Uh, Anything you can share to help others will make you feel better also. I talk about that on a lot of the podcasts that boomers should be volunteering somewhere. You should be volunteering to help other people. You will feel better about yourself. The people you help will feel better. It's a win-win situation. So all boomers should be volunteering somewhere and you pick what you like doing and that way you're happy to do it and it makes the world a better place to live right exactly exactly yes you you speak so well you you, from your own experiences i can hear it yeah so yes yes i've done a lot of healing over my time too and my 40 years with my spiritual group helped me tremendously i would go once a week we had meetings and it really did help me yeah. So you're working on that one element of our of our being that is not underdeveloped. So I'm happy to see that because absolutely gen- and the general public, their spiritual development is the least attractive to all of us. And it should be what what really grounds us in the right. rest of the uh, elements. So, yeah. But and I also have my on my website. It's dianejellen.com. There is a blog. Always positive. I'm always positive. I might set the scene with with something that happened that was affecting me or someone else, but it always ends on a positive note because that's how I want the rest of my life to be ended on a positive note. And all of us can do this. It's available to all of us. Believe in yourself. Absolutely. And everyone has a gift. And the sooner you find it and use it, the happier you will be. So spell out your website for us so they know how to spell your last name. Sure. D-I-A-N-E-J-E-L-L-E-N.com. There you go. website, dianjellen.com. There you go. And I encourage you to go there for some uplifting thoughts. You can buy the books. If you'd rather go to Amazon.com, the books are available on Amazon. But you got we can they can buy them on the website as well, right? Or does it send them to Amazon? But the website actually loops them over to Amazon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But the website has so much helpful information. So if you need help, ask. Once you ask, you will get it. And and my email address is my name, D-I-A-N-E-J-E-L-L-E-N at AOL.com. If somebody wants to talk with me, I limit my time. We share, but I care. And send me an email and we could talk over email. That's great. That's great. We could grow over email. We could blossom and bloom further. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining us today on Kick-Ass Boomers. Um, I know your message will be very helpful to boomers who are experiencing or have experienced codependency in any way. This will be very helpful for them. And of course, if they buy your books, they'll be able to get even more help. And they'll learn a little bit about journaling too, because my resurrected heart has places in there for you to talk about your journey so that, you know, the reader gets to write some things down too. So as I said, it's very, very helpful. Well, thank you so much, Terry. This was so enlightening. You actually put a good spin on my day and I do try to keep a good spin on every day because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We take it a day at a time. So thank you for giving me a happy, another upbeat. And for anybody out there suffering with these 
with uh, living in everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody mm -hmm. that has an addiction. And please reach out and, and help yourselves. Absolutely. Trust yourselves. Yeah. And trust your, uh, your Holy Spirit. Thank you so yeah. much. This has been a fun podcast and I know my audience is going to get a lot out of it. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old. Looking to take your podcast to the next level with video? Are you looking to develop a podcast but don't know where to start? From recording and editing to final distribution and marketing, we can help every step of the way to make your podcast stand out and get the results it deserves. Contact us today at premierpodcastpros.com to take your podcast to the next level. 